Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the privilege of talking to Ricardo Martinez, founder of the I Am 911 movement and host of the podcast Within the Trenches. Now, we found out that if you want to hear some good stories, Ricardo is the man to talk to. After working 13 years as a 911 dispatcher, this man has experienced a lot. So, what was the craziest phone call he ever took? What was it like? when he took an incoming call and it was someone he knew or even a relative and what's the funniest 911 story he has ever heard here's a hint it involved a fellow dispatcher walking a caller through the process of giving CPR to a baby however the caller failed to mention this was not actually a human baby so <laughs> wait until you hear that one friends we cannot wait for you to hear this very fun conversation with Mr. Ricardo Martinez I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. Steph. You are so excited. I am. You're so excited to have this man on our show. I am. And I have a feeling this is going to be just so much fun. Well, you know why guest. it's going to be so good. Why is that? Because Joe Serio that's recommended true. him. That is true. And if Joe Serio recommends somebody, you know it's amazing. So that, that's a high bar for our next guest. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, our next guest is a professional speaker who was a 911 dispatcher for 13 years. He is the creator and host of Within the Trenches podcast and founder of the I Am 911 movement. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Mr. Ricardo Martinez. Oh, Ricardo! <laughs> we are so happy to have you. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, Joe Serio is one of, my, one of my homeboys. He's a very good guy. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. It's an honor. And I can't get over how professional he sounds. Like, usually we're like, can you guys, like, can you put some headphones in? And as soon as he came out, I'm like, oh, Ricardo. Like, do you have your own radio show? Because you sound so good. Like, love songs with Ricardo yes. here. His voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Late night with dispatch. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you have been a 911 dispatcher for many years, right? In your career. Mm -hmm. Can you please share the story with Steph of how you first got involved in this field, right, as a 911 dispatcher? Because this is not something normally a guidance counselor will steer someone toward, right, on career day or anything like that at school. So can you share that story? Yeah, of course. So I was originally living in Michigan. I'm out of Southwest Michigan. And um, I graduated and decided to leave the state of Michigan and move to Florida. Actually, I went to visit my mom, my grandmother, my younger sisters for just a couple of weeks, and it turned into a three and a half year stay. And what was the name of that city? Yeah, it was Frostproof. Yeah, the city of Frostproof. Frostproof, Florida? Yes. Yes. Because when I read this, I was like, that sounds like a made up name. Is that like a Hallmark <laughs> movie, Christmas movie type town? But that's real. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real town. It's in central Florida. And and actually, there's actually a story to that where the town used to be called Keystone. And I don't remember what year it was, but there was a winter that came into Florida, if you can call it winter in Florida. 
And all the towns around Keystone ended up getting frosted over and their orange crop was destroyed, except for in Keystone. So they changed the name to Frostproof. I, I swear to you, it's a true story. <laughs> It's a yes. history lesson. I yes. love it. Yeah. So I, I ended up going to visit my family. And after being there for a little while, you know, my mom comes in and goes, you think uh, you think maybe you want to find a job? <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I, you know, I've, I've stayed a little bit long and everything. So I'll go ahead. And so I'm looking for retail jobs in management. Nothing. Find nothing. And then my mom tells me that uh, my cousin's husband knows the chief of police. And at the time, I thought. I don't, I don't understand. And she goes, well, they were having a conversation is what, why I'm telling you. And they're hiring 911 dispatchers. And I thought, well, I don't know anything about 911 other than like rescue 911, huge fan of that show growing up. So I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and try. And I go into uh, the police department and the chief of police is there. The lieutenant is in there. I'm freaking out as it is because I don't know what they're going to ask me. And they have all of these questions that they are throwing at me. And I'm firing back as fast as they're throwing them at me. Now, years later, I understand that they were doing this on purpose to see if I could handle the pressure of all of these questions that are going to be coming at me on 911. And I thought, man, I'm doing amazing. Well, then, <laughs> then, yeah, then, then the chief comes to one last question and he says, what types of skeletons do you have in your closet? And I had never been asked a question like that before. And I, I just, I remember it kind of like kind of shrinking into the seat. And I thought, uh, what do I say? And I said, well, I, what do you mean? So that's, that's what came out. I was like, what do you mean? What do, what do you mean by that? And he goes, come on, Ricardo, what kind of skeletons do you have in your closet? Cause we're going to find out. And without skipping a beat, oh. I said, well, I, I stole a car once <laughs> and he goes, what? And he starts laughing, looks back at the lieutenant, lieutenant's laughing. And then he turns around with almost like he was my father and I was in trouble. And he goes, no, seriously. And I said, no, seriously. <laughs> and then they said, okay, well, you need to tell us. So it was, it was a civil situation. And I don't know if you know, but if you, so if you're like a co-signer on a car and stuff, and there's like a dispute going on and you have the car, that person has to take you to court. You can't file a stolen police report or anything because it's not stolen. And I said, well, what do I do? And they said, well, they're going to have to take you to court. However, if you get the car back, we can't do anything to you. And I said, okay, because they'd have to take you to court. So that's what happened. I ended up going and getting my car back. So really, I stole my stole own, your car own car back. <laughs> yes, I stole my own car back. But I told this story to the chief of police. And for two months, I didn't hear anything from them. And I thought, oh. I messed up. <laughs> I shouldn't have told him that story. So just one day out of the blue, I, I'm going to doze off, right? I'm, I'm about to take a nap and the door swings open and it's my grandmother who barely speaks any English. So she's yelling at me in Spanish. The police are here. The police are here. What did you do? And I was like, wait, what? And she goes, what did you do? The police are here. And I was like, I don't think I did anything. <laughs> so I end up going to check it out and it's the chief. Again, frostproof. It's a small place. There's two traffic lights and a McDonald's. <laughs> you know, that's that's how big this place is. And I, I go out there and I say hello to the chief and and I said, What's what's going on? And he goes, Well, I just stopped by to see if you still wanted the job. And I said, Well, I thought I screwed myself out of that job because of the story that I told you. And he's like, Oh, no, 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 no. He goes, That was that was something else, but uh, now we like you. 
it was just the uh, the background. They just have a, a long process. So that's yeah. what he told me. Yeah. Now, a lot of times when you're getting ready to start a new job, usually you start in a week or two or, you know, whichever. And, and that's what I asked him. I said, so do I start next week? And he goes, you start tonight. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, really? And he goes, you want the job, don't you? And I said, no, no, I do. I just... I assumed it would be next week. And he goes, no, you start tonight, midnight shift, 10 to six. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So at that point you go into work. Yes. Are you like, am I like, I'm being trained, right? Like you're just not like putting me in there by myself. Like you actually, you're Here's actually your training phone. me. Yes. You're not yes. just giving me a headset and saying, good luck. So how was that process? Oh man. So I ended up going to take a nap. <laughs> because I was going to be working midnight shift. So I went and took the nap after all. And I go in that night and I meet my trainer and uh, he shows me everything that's there. And he's telling me about what I'm going to be doing. And I'm just like, okay, you know, this sounds cool. And 911 goes off. He takes the phone call and I'm simply observing him as this is going on. He finishes the call, turns around, looks at me and says, okay, you're next. <gasps> That's exactly the sound I made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of freaking out like instant sweat. Totally. And I thought I thought he was joking and I started chuckling and oh, I was no. like, no, no, seriously. And he goes, no, seriously. And I said, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on a minute. There's nothing else. Like there's no other training and you're just throwing me to the lions. And he's he goes, look the only way you're ever going to learn how to do this is by jumping in and taking these calls. And he basically what he had told me, and it's something that I've stuck with from that time was what it takes to do this job is one being human and also kind of having that thick skin, but mostly common sense is what it's all about. Common sense and being human. Because when people are calling you on 911, they're not calling because they're in the best state of any mind or nature or anything that's going on. They're experiencing their own nightmare right now. But there's also a lot of calls when people call in and they're saying, um, I know this is 911 and I apologize. However, can you tell me the parade times? Oh, no. No, no serious. Yeah. Parade times, fireworks times. You know, do you know oh, when such God. and such city is going to be having Halloween, like trick or treating? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you call 911, right? And Ricardo, yes. you're age 20 at this point, right? I'm about, uh, I'm 19 going on 20. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh my Here's goodness. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ricardo. Me at age 43 would not handle you're this You're still well. not ready for I'm still not ready for that moment, right? No. <laughs> because Ricardo, if someone did that to me, even today, age 43, I would get on the phone and be like, sir, why are you yelling? Calm the flip down. Right. <laughs> when someone's yelling at me, I, I don't handle that well. No. Right. So you being 19 years old puts in a different perspective mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. It does. Just with like life experiences alone that you have to like pull from when you're <laughs> older. I can't imagine being Stay 19. Calm. Yes. What was your first phone call like? prayed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like i said i'm standing there i'm still looking at everything and then i sit down and my heart is just pumping the adrenaline is going and i've, I've always explained taking a 911 call like getting in a fast car slamming the gas and letting go of the steering wheel because it's it can be that chaotic and the moment you think you've taken the craziest or most outrageous the dispatch universe 
they end up saying, hold my drink. And yeah, I, I can beat that. You. Yes, yeah. They're like, challenge accepted. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So I'm I'm sitting there. You know, this is 2001. I'm 19, almost 20. And I don't know what's going to come next. And I'm sweating, freaking out. And then the phone rings. And he goes, okay, go for it. I pick up the phone and say my thing. Frostproof 911. Where is your emergency? And I hear, oh, I'm sorry. I, I somehow butt dialed you. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They were done with All that right, one. That was my All one. Right. You're welcome. Yes. It's your turn now. <laughs> Friends, we just want to take a moment here to say thank you to all you loyal listeners. Ah, you guys, we just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top 1.5% of all podcasts worldwide. And that is because of you guys sharing with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on all the podcast platforms. And if your friends ask, just tell them they can get our entire catalog of episodes at kevinandsteph.com or wherever they like to get their podcasts. Thank you guys so much for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So have you ever taken a phone call then and it's somebody you actually know personally? Yeah. So when you work in the area that you live in or especially grew up in, you are eventually going to end up taking phone calls from people that you know. So I spent about three and a half years at Frostroof Police Department. And then I moved back home to Southwest Michigan, finished off my dispatching career at Allegan County Central Dispatch. It's the county that I grew up in. So the whole west side of the county, I pretty much knew everyone. And when someone would call in and say, I'm in such and such area, I could picture exactly where they were at. And I could tell them, you know, landmarks of where they're at if they were trying to get to a certain place. Mm. But, you know, I would take phone calls from friends that I went to, to school with. I never said who I was because you end up uh, walking the, a certain line, right? So one of two things will happen. You'll give your name. And they will feel comfortable with you and they will tell you everything because they know you or you tell them your name, they know who you are, and then they stop talking because now you know their business and they're embarrassed. Okay. So if it were friends like in high school or something, I wouldn't usually say who I was. Plus, everyone in school called me rich. So if I said Ricardo, they would not know. So with family, though, I would. I would say, you know, this is Rich or this is Richie because, uh, you know, my aunts and uncles would call me Richie. And a lot of times they found that comfort if they were calling in. Now, one time specifically, it was 2007, all of my family pretty much was in Michigan because uh, my grandmother was in hospice care and she was pretty close to leaving us, to passing away. And I'm in dispatch. And it's about three in the morning. My family's been sending me text messages, just letting me know, you know, she's getting closer. She's getting closer. And we had already decided that if she were to pass while I was in dispatch, somebody would come in to take my spot and I would be able to go. So again, it's about three, three thirty in the morning. And my partner on phone says, Ricardo, I'm going to go to the break room really quick. And I said, okay, there's nothing going on anyway. Now, that is almost like tempting fate. Uh, and in the dispatch world, it's like saying the Q word yeah. or quiet. Yep. And you're right. It's like a jinx. It and, and you're just is. You're just tempting fate. And so my partner goes, and no later did the door shut to the break room. 
but the phone rings and I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it because I never hesitate to pick up the phone. But this one time, it felt different. As soon as that phone rang, the hair in the back of my neck stood up and I hesitated and I waited for the information to pop up on the screen and it was my mom's cell phone number. And all I could think of was, what are the odds that I'm the one who's taking this call? So I pick up the phone and say, Allegan 911, where's your emergency? And it's my cousin on the other line. And she says, Richie? And I said, yeah. And she goes, grandma just died. And again, I thought, what are the odds that I would be the one to take this call? Now, my grandmother had lived with my parents from the time before myself and my siblings were born. So she was there for us through the beginning. So it was it was almost like it was meant to be that she was there for me in the beginning and I'd be there for her at the end. Mm. So a lot of these calls, though, you don't know what happens, right? right? Like, is there a moment where you get cut off or it's like the movie Take It or something and, and the phone ends right in the middle of a conversation? Yeah, and you're hearing everything. Right, but you're, you're hearing everything like, in the background. But or, you're trying not to make noise. So, like, yes. how is that situation? There, there are a lot of those times where people are calling in. Again, they're living their, their nightmare, right? And you hear them say, I think someone is coming to the door, whether it be a domestic situation or someone is breaking into the house. And I'm trying to get them to a spot where they're safe, but also that they have a way to get out of wherever they're at in case you know the person comes in. Maybe they're, it's safe enough for them to go out the window, anything like that. Or... You know, if it is a domestic situation and the husband or wife or whichever side is coming into the room and they don't know they're on the phone, I have them put the phone down. So then it's just me listening. So here's where it gets even more crazy. You have to be able to listen to everything that is going on. So I call it dispatch ear. So I'll be in dispatch. I'm taking this call. I've told them to put the phone down. So I'm not only listening to the two people that are in the room, but I'm listening to everything in the background. Do I hear something shut? Do I hear them pick something up? Now, at the same time, I'm also typing everything that is going on. But also, I could be the only one who's on phones. All of the calls that are coming in, it's like triage. What do you do? Who do you stay with? Oh. Could you prioritize? You have to make, yeah. yeah, you have to make these decisions. The other scenario I've given people when, when thinking about what it's like on the other side is you've got three incidents that's going on. You've got a injury accident and people are calling like crazy because, of course, everyone has a cell phone. Everybody wants to call in to say there's an accident that's going on. So you've got this accident, right? You've got people heading out to them. Now you have another call that comes in. It's a domestic disturbance, husband and wife. It's verbal only at the time. You have to put them on hold. You got another call and it's a medical. Now you're giving CPR instructions. So while they're going for a certain number of compressions, you have a moment to go back to that domestic to check on them. Well, now there's a weapon involved. Who do you stay with? Oh, my You have to decide. So you stay with the one that has a weapon involved. You've got officers going out there and you have to keep the scene safe for not only the officers that are going out there, but to try to keep those two separated as much as possible while those other two calls are going that already have help going out to them. 
Uh, that's I chose tough. correctly, just so you know. <laughs> I totally had it in my head. Like, stay with it. Stay with that the one. Stay with that. The weapon. Stay, the weapon. stay yes. with the weapon. Yes. Don't yeah. leave the weapon, Ricardo. Exactly. Okay, so you do have a million stories from Dispatch, from the podcast that you do, from your 911 movement. What's one of the funnier calls you've taken or you've heard from another dispatcher? So from another dispatcher, um, I, I go around to different public safety conferences and I do something called Imagine Listening because I want people to do just that. The first 30 minutes of that are I am 911 stories where dispatchers get a chance to share stories that they may have been just keeping inside, you know, have not had the chance to get that out. They're in a room full of 911 dispatchers and call takers that have dealt with the same thing. So they feel comfortable in sharing these stories. You know, there's, it's emotionally intense. There's a lot of people who are actually crying, you know, getting these stories out because they've had them held inside for so long. The last 30 minutes, because I don't want anyone to ever leave from that session just kind of feeling down, we do what's called open mic. And we share the funny side of 911. So we start out emotionally intense, but then we end with laughter. And, and it's always a good time. So one of these sessions... It's just a packed room and a, <laughs> a dispatcher starts telling this story and in the audio, like you can hear it in the beginning because the person who's telling the story is very animated as they're telling the story. So we're all kind of laughing right away, but there's a point where you can tell everyone is, is almost nervous a little <laughs> bit because we're like, should we be laughing at this right now? <laughs> so the dispatcher ends up saying, you know, I take this phone call from this guy and he starts saying, my friend's not breathing. My friend's not breathing. But the way the person is saying it, again, they're animated. We're laughing at the way they're saying it, not at what the person was telling them, but right. how the person is explaining it. But then the guy ends up saying, you know, my baby, my baby's not breathing. My baby's not breathing. And it is at that moment that you hear all of us start going, uh, like, <laughs> should we be laughing at this? So, they, they continue to go through the story as, you know, officers are headed that way. EMS is headed that way. And the person keeps saying this and the dispatcher is like, oh, crap, I can't believe this is going on. Like, get someone needs to get out there faster. Well, the officer gets out there, beats EMS and comes over the radio and says, dispatch, slow everyone down. And the dispatcher who's telling the story is going, why would we stop that? This guy's baby's not breathing. And then the officer gets on the radio and says, it's an iguana. <laughs> they had been doing CPR. They, they went through CPR and everything with this person on the phone thinking that it was a baby, but it was an iguana. <laughs> I can't. Now, now, technically, if you think about the caller, that was the caller's baby, per se, you know? But... Yeah, until the officer got out there, nobody knew that it wasn't a human. It's a crazy pet owner. Yeah. I thought you were going to say dog. Honestly, I thought you were going to say dog. Iguana just takes it to another level, Ricardo. And they're doing yes. CPR. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and they were doing yeah, they were doing CPR on the, on the iguana the whole time. I don't know. I don't know if the iguana you made, it, made it or not. Yeah, I I'm not sure. You know, we don't always get that closure. <laughs> but but that was one of the things. And I just, oh man, up until that point, I, I don't I had not heard a story like that. So we are all just dying laughing. And I, I just everyone was clapping. I was like, thank you so much for sharing that. Like that, that was oh, amazing. Oh man. 
not what I expected. Did not expect for it to be an iguana. <laughs> okay, like you got to end the meeting on that. Yeah, you're like, like you're not going to be able to trump that story well, at a it's conference. It's really funny because all these people are going up for open mic and they just turn around and sit back down. They're like, nope, I'm good. That did it. That took the cake. <laughs> yes. Yep. I think that was the last one too. It have to be. It yes. has to be. Yes. Okay. Any more off the top of your head, Ricardo, now that you're rolling, I mean, man. I know. Yeah, no, there's 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 so many, so many different stories, you know. So I'm working at in uh Frostproof. This is at the police department in Florida. And it's the middle of the night. I'm working midnight shift. And I've been on my own for a while now, taking all different types of calls. And the officer keys up and he has a traffic stop. He runs the person. The person's got a warrant. The person runs. So we end up having to call the sheriff's department for their canine officer to come out so uh, that the canine uh, can help look for the suspect. Again, it's late at night, middle of the night, very dark. And the dog ends up tracking behind a house where there's an above ground pool. And the dog is barking at the pool and they're looking around. They're like, what is going on? Why is the dog over here? So they, they lead the dog somewhere else. The dog comes back a few different times. Then they look closer at the pool. And what do they see? They see a straw right above <gasps> the water. No. It was in the pool the whole time, breathing through a straw. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. They brought the suspect in and he was all wet. And I said, why is this person <laughs> wet? What happened? The person was in the pool the whole time. Now, dumb criminal or clever criminal? Right. I, right. But also, who has a straw? Right? Like, where do you get the straw that. from? Who has a straw <laughs> yes. to do this? Right. <laughs> Is that his plan the whole time? Like, <laughs> hey, I'm on the run. I'm going to go find a house with the pool in it. Jump in. Oh, right. my God. Or, or, or did the person ransack some garbage and was like looking and decided to MacGyver it and was like, I'm going to breathe through this straw. <laughs> right. Hey, the dog, dog. Obviously, the dog was a smart one. Yes. <laughs> Dog's amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That dude could play some hide and go seek. That's yeah, for sure. That's pr- you know what that yeah. reminds me of? This could be an episode on Dog oh, the Bounty yes. Hunter. Yes. Like, yes. I could see yes. Dog doing something like Ricard- this. Ricardo, we had Dog the Bounty Hunter on with us episode 72, yeah. I think, uh-huh. almost a year ago. And one of his most memorable catches, catches. was a guy who was inside of a tree. Yeah. Tree or he had like covered himself, covered himself and he was like, like leaves yes. and old grass. And he was like, and it, they found him. Yeah. And he was like oh, in no part of the tree. Yes. It was crazy. So kind of the same thing. Oh, man. That's a good one. If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So, Ricardo, you started a podcast called mm-hmm. Within the Trenches, and this is where you give other dispatchers an opportunity to share what they've gone through, mm. day in the life, some of the stories they've gone through. By the way, Steph, he just dropped episode 442, Oh my mind you. Oh, my goodness. Ricardo! Yeah. So, with this being... <laughs> 131. We were happy with 131. Like, we got 131. Oh, my. Yes. 442. <laughs> 442. Holy cow. 
That's good work, awesome. sir. So Thank you. congratulations. Thank you. What's one of the more memorable stories then you've had on your podcast over the past however many years? There's there is a lot of them that have that have been out there. I mean, hard ones, funny ones, but I think one that really, really sticks out. There's a gentleman, uh, his name's Steve Souter. He's the the former director out of Fairfax County in Virginia. His first day, and I believe this is episode 80, <laughs> and you said 442. Yeah, yeah, there's 442, but this one is episode 80. And his first day in dispatch was the day that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Oh. And Steve is in D.C. during this time. Now, he ended up getting hurt and stuff, and, and he, he, he wanted to continue in public safety and stuff. He ends up going into uh, 911 to dispatch. And that first day they brought him in and and the way he explains it, he's like, um, you know how to use a radio, you know how to write, um, here you go. And that was basically it. He got thrown in kind of like I did. <laughs> but um, the assassination happens a few hours later, the DC riots break out and he's on radios his oh. first day. And I believe he didn't leave dispatch for a few days for that long. He didn't want to leave his post. So listening to him tell this story was just it, it was extraordinary. Like it was to the point where when, whenever I do these episodes with people, um, I try to compare, you know, some of, some of my stories with theirs and stuff. There was no way that I could compare with what he was telling me. So I just let him talk. And then when it was finally my turn, like I didn't know what to say. It was basically, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, like, I mean, how do you come back from that? Like, you know, what, what do you say other than what was it like for you? So he was explaining everything, but that's probably one of the ones that really sticks out is, is that one. But again, they're all a lot of powerful and impactful stories that the people are sharing and, and just finally getting it out. You know, for me, it all started from my own struggle and dispatch and it was therapeutic for me to write about it. So then when I was introduced to uh, podcasting during my, my master's in new media journalism, I fell in love with this form of storytelling. And I thought, if it's therapeutic for me to share my stories, maybe bringing other dispatchers on to share their stories will do the same thing. And the rest is really history. Oh, that's awesome. So our listeners are going mm -hmm. to be non Nine one one dispatchers, of course. So when you go to a conference or you're doing a professional speaking event, what's one of the stories that you share with the audience, whether it's inspirational or funny or something you've experienced yourself? What's what's one of the stories you share with the audience? So one of the one of the main stories has it goes back to when I first started dispatching in Frostproof. And it's, it's where I relate to everyone to let them know, you know, I've, I've been there with you in those struggles. This is my first that I'm going to tell you about and one that sticks with me. Um, but I share it because it, it not only makes it easier for me, but it also helps people know that they're not alone, that they may feel like they're the only one dealing with this certain situation, but they're not. We've all done it before. So when I was going to be on my first day alone, after training and the chief of police is getting ready to leave. He says, you think you're going to be able to do this? And I said, man, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't you worry because you are listening to the radio almost 24 seven and you just live down the road. So if anything happens, if you hear me struggling, I know you will be here. And he goes, okay, okay. Now, after that moment, we hear a car 
screech up. We hear the door open and a lady screaming and the door opens to the police department. And in the police department, there's just this small lobby area. It's no longer there. The county swallowed it up. It's just a patch of land now. But um, lady runs in and she starts yelling, I found him. I found him. And, you know, this whole time, I'm thinking my first big emergency is going to be on the phone. But it's not. It's right in front of my face. And the chief turns around and, and kind of holds her arms and is saying, what, what are you talking about? What happened? What, what's going on? Now, again, this is a small city. So everyone knows the chief. The chief knows everyone. So he knew her. He was calling her by her name. And what had happened was her and her husband were separated. And they were trying to figure out if they wanted to stay together. And she finally decided, yes, I want to make this marriage work. So she goes home to tell her husband. And she found that he had hung himself. They didn't make it. So I have the chief of police and the officer on duty. I have everyone going to the house. The house is just diagonal from where we were at. And it's just her and I in the police department now. So what do you do? You be human, right? So I go around the corner and I go into the lobby and I'm next to her. And I said, is there anything I can do that I, I can help you in this moment? And she wanted family. So I called her family. They showed up. They were there with her for a little bit and then they left. And I am just sitting there by myself thinking, wow. So the chief comes back, the officer on duty comes back. And one of the biggest things in dispatch is we don't get closure, right? And with this situation, I knew what happened. I had that closure, but it still bothered me. And I guess I I was trying to figure out that person's mindset. And the officer was standing next to me and he had the note that the person had left. And I kept trying to look at it. And he finally, he saw me and he goes, do you want to read it? And I said, yeah. I said, I don't know why. I said, but I just feel like I, I need to. Basically what it said was that he wished that they could have made it work that he could not live anymore knowing that he would no longer have her or their children because they were getting divorced and that's not what he wanted. And he wished it would have worked out. And I remember after I read that, all I could think was, man, if you would have waited just a little bit longer, I probably wouldn't be sharing this story right now. But whenever I go back to Frostproof, I always visit that plot of land where the police department used to be. And I look over where that happened and it will always stick with me but i go back there to reflect on where i started because i'll never forget where i started but also that first hard call and i tell people about it because i don't want them to feel alone i want them to be able to open up and talk about their calls because i used to bury mine and it was it was a hard thing and i found out it wasn't the best thing to do so i've been sharing stories ever since and it's helped a lot of people Oh, well, your stories have led to an I am 911 movement. And Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed with how that took off, Ricardo, several years ago. Can you share the story with us of how you started that movement and how it went to different countries right after you started it? For sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's 2016. I'm out of dispatch now. I'm on the private side. 
working for a company, a 911 solutions company in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, and, and while I was working for them, now 2016 comes around and these two big 911 organizations are trying to fight for the reclassification of 911 dispatchers because for 911 dispatch, they're under the clerical class or administrative assistance or you know commercial dispatchers like trucking or taxis or anything like that. And they were trying to get them reclassified into the protective class, which would be with all of law enforcement, fire, EMS, lifeguards are even in there, just everyone. So one of the things that they were looking for that I noticed were stories. And I thought, well, I've been telling stories for like five or six years now. I'm going to insert myself into this battle somehow and, yes. and see what I can do. But I wanted to raise awareness in a way that people hadn't really thought about before. And again, by sharing stories, but just a glimpse, just a glimpse into one of the calls that I had taken or that others had taken. So I created a meme and it was just, it's, it's a picture with a full moon because we all know crazy things happen during a full moon. So that's, that's why I used that. But also it was a glimpse into a call that I had taken. And all it said was, I heard your last breath the night you flipped your four-wheeler. Hashtag I am 911. I put it out there in the podcast page and I asked other dispatchers to do the same thing so that we could raise awareness our way for this reclassification to show the difference between commercial dispatchers and emergency dispatchers. So that day, my, my son and I were going to go visit my mom. We were in Florida during the time and they only lived about 10 minutes away from where we were at. And my phone is just going off and going off and going off and going off, notification after notification. And my son goes, dad, what did you do? <laughs> and I said, I think I struck a chord. And it was enough that the notifications from the app stopped working because there was too many that were coming in. Wow. And, wow. and yeah, and, and I'm freaking out because I'm like, oh, geez, what did I do? But I think what really set it off was me telling people, if you don't know how to create a meme, just send us the text and we'll do it for you. <laughs> So people were just sending in story after story after story. And it was almost like the entire thin gold line, which is what dispatches is known as, you know, officers are the thin blue line. Everyone has their line. Well, dispatch is gold. And it was almost like the entire thin gold line unified, came together for this cause in sharing stories. Because that weekend, I am 911 was trending at number three on Twitter. Oh my and gosh. Wow. It, it, yeah. And, and I didn't even know that. Like I was just focused on Facebook, but other people were telling me that it was trending on Twitter. And then I went and looked it up. I was like, oh, geez, this is crazy. That's a big so then deal. I, 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 yeah, I click on the hashtag and there are people that have nothing to do with public safety saying the stories of I am 911 are just so gut wrenching, but so powerful. And then a friend of mine out of Canada sends me a message that weekend saying, you need to look up on Twitter because it went across the pond. And I thought, what? So in the UK, uh, it's either 112 or 999, triple nine. And they were sharing stories as well, is I am 999. And then there were some, a, a few that were coming out of New Zealand as I am 111. And then a lot coming out of Australia that is I am 000. Mm. And these stories are just going all over the place. So at that time, the amount of reactions, shares, all of that were over 37 million. Oh my goodness. Wow. People just sharing stories. But then on top of that, there were callers and they were sharing their side of it saying, if it wasn't for this dispatcher, I might not be here today. So thank you. 
So through the power of storytelling, people were starting to heal, but they were also starting to learn what it is really like to take a 911 call. Jeez. Mm. Well, listeners, for more information about Ricardo, you can go to his website, withinthetrenches.net backslash podcast. You can go to his Twitter account at 911podcast. Also, his Facebook page, at Within the Trenches Podcast. Yes. Ricardo, God bless you, sir. Yes. For what you you do, the impact you make in your community, in your industry, is nothing short of inspirational. Inspirational. Absolutely. So thank you so much for what you do. And and thank you for saying yes to us as well and coming on here and taking time with us to to share these stories. Thank you. Thank you. Again, this has been an honor. It was a lot of fun being here and talking with the both of you. Thank you so much. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tells a Good Story.